Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. It's another week of looking off the pitch for the latest Manchester City news as football remains on hold due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. And for today's Blue Moon podcast, we're going to be putting the news itself into the spotlight. It's a topic we've never really sunk our teeth into on the show before, certainly not for a long time anyway. So we're going to use this week's episode to examine the relationship between City, both the club and the fans, and the press. When we say the media, what do we even mean? What's clickbait and what's not? Why do certain stories get under the skin more than others? And why don't the club do more to harvest a positive image. All of the answers to that hopefully coming up in today's show. I'm your host David Mooney and with me is The Athletic's Daniel Taylor. Hi David, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. Are you well mate? Yeah, all good, all good. Good to hear. Um, now, uh, obviously, all you need to do, Danny, is to hop onto City Twitter and you can take two or three oh, clicks God, and you'll I suddenly... <laughs> well, you'll find yeah. yourself with somebody who's not happy with something that's been said yeah. or written about the club. Um, it certainly felt like things came to a head at the end of last season with many supporters feeling City didn't get enough credit for their performances domestically and picking up three trophies. And many sports writers also feeling like City fans were reacting too sensitively to what had been written. Um, before we kind of dive into all of this, I, th- I think that the best thing to do is probably define some terms and, and, and kind of understand what it is that we mean by all these different things. Um, so I, what what does the media mean? Is it is it newspapers? Is it broadcasters, YouTubers? Who, who is it? Well, this is a, it's a very good question. I mean, I've been in the media now since leaving school, basically. So, you know, talking nearly, nearly 30 years, basically. And it confuses me sometimes because the media, when it comes to this sort of, you know, the media agenda, it's like the, the media is made up of thousands, of, you know, millions of people, basically. TV, newspapers, radio, internet. Um, so, so who exactly is the who is the media? Who is orchestrating the way that people that the media thinks? You know, it's every one of those people have got different mindsets. Um, Twitter is a great influence influencer of opinions these days, and sometimes I see it these days, and I, and and it's almost like the the media is seen as as the people on Twitter who are who are arguing with city fans. Whereas I would say, well, actually, there's, um, um, you know, there's that is a very small number of people, but but equally that small number of people to get seen as the media, everybody gets lumped in together, and then it just sort of hardens this um, this them and us perception. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, of kind of negative press in that sense, when when we say negative press, looking at looking towards City, um, how, how does that mean? Is that is that is that reporting a story that is negative about the club? Is that just a, an opinion on a particular a, a particular story from a particular journalist on Twitter? What what, what how do you perceive it? Well, lots of different ways to it. I mean, I, I came up to Manchester in '98, and the and straight away I, I could tell there was like you know the the Man City fans then didn't like the press. Now, back then, that was because 98, 99, sort of those first couple of years I was in Manchester, it was, Man United were winning everything, 
getting, you know, glory, glory, Man United headlines every other week, just about City were obviously going down to the, you know, the old third division. There was the kind of piss-takey Daily Mirror um, back page of City playing in the, the um, you know, the auto windscreen shield against Mansfield and the smallest crowd there's ever been at Main Road. On You know, I think it was on the, the same midweek that United were playing Bayern Munich. So, you know, I, I was very aware of those sort of infamous scenes of fans sort of storming the press box and you know so right you know we're going back there like over 20 years now so basically there's always been a slight kind of uh, animosity really from from a lot of city fans who felt that united were getting the um the far more preferable uh coverage which they were you know i mean i came up to when i came up to sit to manchester i was freelancing if i went to city a city press conference I, I couldn't get my, I was working for the Guardian at the time, I couldn't get them interested because City were in the third division, you know, that City match reports were just like a few paragraphs and um, it just, you know, Man United was the biggest story in, in not just in town, but in, in the country and often in Europe, you know, so, so, <clears throat> so I think, I think there's long been, I think there's a kind of long held sort of feeling that City got the rough end of the stick back then, but whereas throwing it forward to the modern age, it's, um, it's you know I mean I get this it's not just City who think this but it's just it's hardened with City you know fans of every club big club think that the media is again it treats their you know I've had this with Chelsea um, Man United you know all of them basically when they've all been doing well but it's it's hardened with City I think very much so in the last few years because of the um, because of all the sort of the stuff with FFP and Abu Dhabi and and also just the kind of the the this whole sort of Twitter v fans or fans v Twitter kind of uh, you know I don't I don't sometimes know where people get the energy from you know and I look at you know I look at my side as well and um, you know I, I do like to think after twenty odd years of covering City I can kind of see it from both sides you know I live in Manchester I've got lots of mates who are City fans who who I talk to um, and then you go on Twitter and it's just you know it's kind of Sometimes Twitter is not reality, but then equally, I know there are City fans in real life away from Twitter who, who who feel very strongly about it. Can you understand, I mean, looking at the modern day coverage of City, can you understand why a lot of fans are unhappy with um, like what, what's perceived as negative angles towards City in their success now compared to how United were, were or, or how we see or how we saw United reported on in the 90s? No, um, I can see... Very. I can see a lot of things. I can see a lot of things from the city fans' point of view. I can see. Um, I've written before and and accepted that when when City were going head to head with Liverpool for the title, um, that the press was very stacked in Liverpool's favour, and that there is a kind of. I won't say excuse, but there is a bit of a reason for that. So Liverpool winning the title would have been a bigger story, which that doesn't necessarily mean that the journalists writing it. Um, are Liverpool fans or hate City or whatever, but there was a lot more, you know, the best way I can say it is there, were, there was a lot more red pictures on the front of the sort of Saturday pullouts than there were blue pictures. Um, so I, I can see that that sort of thing would upset, you know, upset, it would upset me if it was my team. Um, one of the things I always say, and I, I know I'm treading in dangerous territory here, is, you know, if any journalist or if you were, if you worked for the Daily Mirror or the Sun or Daily Mail or, or any paper, really, and you were given the choice of there's a scandal about to happen and you can take your pick between it being at Manchester City or Manchester United, 
nobody would pick it for it to be at Manchester City. You know, Manchester United. If you're going to, if you're asking me about Man United, there, Man United, the cover, the level of coverage from getting a big story at Man United is just so much more, um, so much greater in terms. You know, we we get all the numbers of the number of people that have that have read the pay. You know, read the article down to the small details of you know have they read it all the way down to the bottom of it? Have they shared it? You know, we see all those data and. United and uh, and Liverpool actually are just way ahead in that. So, so the coverage, you know, I you know, just try and give you a couple of examples. But so when when Mario Balotelli is fighting with with Roberto Mancini on the training ground, um, let's be hypothetical. If that was Wayne Rooney and Alex Ferguson, that would be global. You know, that would be kind of that would be news at ten on. You know, that would be headlines. So. So sometimes all this kind of, oh, you know, you treat United differently. And it's all, well, not really, because United would get absolutely far more hammered for that that than anything else. You know, I mean, I remember um, I remember I did a, a um, I spoke to Rick uh, from Blue Moon and, and did a sort of Q&A with him there. And I'd, there was an example I used there. I just sort of read it this morning just to sort of, just to kind of refresh my memory, I suppose. And basically there was just a, United had, had sacked a European scout for, for sort of misbehaving. And it's a sort of story that you could only really get in because it was United, because it had United's name on it, if you know what I mean. So it was a negative, you know, it was a negative story, I suppose, from the club's point of view, because basically they'd sacked somebody, you know, someone had been. And it's, just, you know, just as an example, basically, of a story that that probably people wouldn't do if it was City or if it, or if they did do it, it certainly wouldn't get the the, um, the space in the in the in the papers and and you know possibly the coverage now don't get me wrong city have been in the last year to 18 months city have you know been massive news um often in not great terms because of all the kind of you know the whole ffp thing don't get me wrong city is not a small news story it's a big news story but if if you you know your question was about you know do they get treated differently to united yes they do you know, i i actually i would say united get it worse if it was united that had been banned um and I know this obviously could be overturned, or whatever. But if United's been banned for two years from Champions League, you know, I mean, I, I've written com- one comment piece about City. I, I would be right. I'd be writing. I'd be my desk would be asking me to write three com- comment pieces every week on it. You know, it would be a far bigger story. And it's, you know, it's just, it's just a fact, basically. That it's not, it's not an opinion as such. It's just basically that it's just a, a cold, hard reality of it. Yeah, well, so, I mean, one thing I want to, to kind of drill into as well before we move away from it is that there'll be a lot of fans who who listen to this that that you know when you when you've said that the, in terms of the numbers and the data that you get that a, a story regarding Liverpool and United is is much bigger. Is is there any any truth in the idea then that you know a negative story towards City would be more positively received by Liverpool fans, United fans, and therefore be a, a be a, a bigger or better money spinner? I really, I really have never ever in you know I was at the Guardian for nineteen years. I've been at the Athletic since October. I've never ever ever heard anybody on a sports desk talk that way. That, that's all I can say. You know, I, I knew, I've only worked for the Guardian, but I've never heard any any of the journalists in the press box talk that way. You know, that's all I can really anyway I can really answer that. To be honest, I just it just no really. You know, <laughs> basically no. It's well. Certainly, that I have never, you know, I, I hate to say it. I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm quite an experienced journalist now. You know, I rather see myself as, you know, one of the sort of young, up and coming ones. But if I've been doing it for over twenty years, I can't really probably claim that anymore. But no, I can't. I've never ever heard that being talked about that way ever. Um, 
it's just no, you know, not even in theory. I've just never heard that being being mentioned that way ever. Yeah. Um. One quick, one other term that I'd like I'd like to kind of define as well is clickbait. What what uh, what's your understanding of what clickbait is? Because, um, this is a term that get, that gets thrown at anything now. That is that is um potentially there for for uh, like a, a sensationalized headline, for instance. Yeah. Well, my understanding and to be, for, I, I tend to think it's the. Um, it's the local provincial papers that are the, the kind of worst. You know, I used to read the Not- I'm a Forest fan. I used to read the Nottingham Evening Post, and and I and I can't bear even trying to get on there now because it's just. But the headlines are just kind of they're there. To, clickbait is basically a headline to bring you in, and sometimes it's utter bollocks. You know, it'll be something like you know, manager talks about potential new signing, and you think it might be your manager, or it might be, and it's basically you know it's just nothing of the sort it's just a misleading headline because my, my favorite my favorite sort is the ones that uh, like you see at the bottom of uh news pages where it's not ne- not necessarily sport but it's always things like you won't believe what kerry katona said about this yeah person. yeah well exactly and, exactly and and i feel a little bit sorry for some of you know when i when i sort of i'm not pointing a finger when i say that because i know that some of the journalists and i think this applies to the men as well you know they they are they are their success as journalists, and I hate this. Is is um, regarded as the number of people that click on their articles. So to me, that that doesn't um, necessarily bring good journalism. To me, I, I think the best way of getting people to click on your articles is 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 by getting stories right and getting a hopefully a half decent reputation, and people hopefully again will will like your writing, and so we'll you know we'll we'll click on your articles, you know, rather than. You know, I think basically, I think you know, people aren't stupid. People people know when they're being had on. And as I say, I, there's there were pa- there were papers that I just I just wouldn't even go near now. You know, yeah. when I t- on on the internet. So that that's. Um, but yeah, I mean, click it. Listen, if I if I write something that someone doesn't like, people will throw that at me and say, "Click." I look at the headline, and, and uh, so I think people use it as a more as a wider term these days but that, that's what it means to me it's basically some something that will draw readers in that is it's a trick you know yeah, not necessarily reflecting yeah, what's it's, been written yeah it's yeah it's, it's irritating I mean, it's irritating i find it irritating so I, I i i can you know i mean without sounding too pious one of one of the things i really like about the athletic is that we just don't have that you know it's just it's just you know it's one of the, i mean with to be fair i don't really think I had it at the guardian as i say i think it's more of a um it's more of an MEN, Nottingham Evening Post, sort of, you know, the provincial press sort of really going for it hard. Yeah. Uh, one last term that I'd like to, to try and define, and, I, and I, I don't know if this is even possible anymore. Um, I'm going to go near the A word. Uh, people talk of an agenda. What is it? Is it like, like uh, we touched on what is the media? Is it is it something media wide? Is it newspaper wide? Is it is it Five Live but not Match of the Day? Is it like, what is it? Well, when people t- say to me that there's an agenda against City, I, I just... I take it that basically they just mean that all the all the journalists they they see all the journalists there as hating City, which I find a bit bemusing because obviously I am one of those journalists. So if people are saying I hate City, I think anyone that knows me just know you know will know that I've got lots of, lots of um, well I was going to say contacts in at City, but people who I probably would be better describing as friends. You know I speak to City all the time. I've covered them for twenty odd years. Um, I probably get on well. I do. I get on with them better than I get on with United. You know, so it's, um, you know, what is the word agenda? I think, from the fans' point of view, they obviously see that basically that there's there's a widespread dislike of of City among among journalists. You know, and and 
it's hard sometimes for people like me to try and argue against that because then I click on Twitter because obviously I look at Twitter quite a lot through my work and then there's you know the same old suspects sort of rowing on Twitter and I don't really know where they get the energy from to be honest and and this kind of divide grows of all that you know I, I don't think it makes sense to be arguing with people who are effectively you want to bring in to read your product product I don't think it just makes sense on a human level you know I think you can show your personality on Twitter but I think you know sometimes I look at it and just think why are you even indul you know indulging in these sort of silly petty rows of going back and forth every day and it just um hardens this suspicion that I suppose that um all the journalists are out to get city but then don't get don't don't think that I've not had similar complaints from you know United United fans call it ABU the AB you know any anyone but United media so I've had that for donkey's years as well <laughs> so living in the middle of it I, I kind of have got to understand city for, you know I've been here, here over 20 years as I said earlier and you know, so I kind of understand the match-going United fans. I understand the match-going City fans. I, I think I've spent so long with them, if you know what I mean, in, in their midst. So you know, and sometimes both sets of fans talking bollocks. Sometimes, <laughs> some, sometimes there's some very relevant points. As I say, you know, I I, I thought it was awkward and looked really bad doing that sort of City Liverpool title running. Um, that's just one one example I can give. Um, you know, sometimes United fans have made decent points. You know, just I mean, it's difficult because Twitter is so so kind of massive these days. You know, it's kind of if you start those arguments, you can you can find yourself just arguing all day, and it's and and it and it taking over your life. So I don't quite I don't quite get that mentality. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. It's worth at this point as well. I know a lot of people listening to this will will be thinking about one thing right now, uh, and it's worth acknowledging my part in everything in all of this because in about 2015, I wrote a satirical take on the whole situation, uh, purporting to blow the whistle on a media-wide anti-city agenda. At the time, I thought it was daft enough to get a laugh, and that would be about it. Uh, but a lot of people took it quite seriously. So as a piece of satire, it obviously it failed, and I obviously didn't quite get it right um i never wanted to make people think that it was uh, kind of like a black and white issue that everything that was said about city was either fair or not and that i i, I what i thought was a hammed up piece that that people would not believe um that this situation where every single media outlet was in there together um i thought that would be be clear and obvious but it clearly wasn't so i like every now and then i'll still get somebody on twitter ask me about that piece that i wrote why you know uh, why have you never talked more about this and that's kind of this is this is kind of why i wanted to do today's show like this um to kind of draw a line under under what is fair and balanced so like when it comes to football coverage what is fair and balanced coverage danny well, listen. I support Forest. If I was if I was sent to, you know, I, I I had to cover Leicester City winning the league, and and I found and Leicester obviously one of Forest's rivals, and people, you know, Forest won the two European Cups, which is you know we there's a film out called I Believe in Miracles. You know, we're very proud of the fact that it's in my opinion the greatest kind of football story there's ever been. Basically, you know, a club gets promoted from the first time, wins two European Cups, Brian Clough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was sent to cover Leicester winning the Premier League, which a lot of people thought was the bigger and better football miracle, and and I happily joined in. Well, well, as a as a fan, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't it, think it, it was happy, was it? <laughs> well, when you're in the, it's really hard to explain this because because as a fan, I'd be sitting there getting annoyed about it, and 
I mean, Leicester Forest, it's not as big as Derby Forest. And, and years ago, when I was growing up, it was Forest Liverpool, which probably shows about how, how Forest have gone and sort of down the, down the pecking order, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, but, um, but so I was covering Leicester, Leicester, but Leicester were the first club I ever covered properly. So I, I worked in the East Midlands covering Leicester. Leicester were the first team I covered. So, and, I've, and I made loads of mates at Leicester. And I went to watch Leicester get promotion with the last kick in the playoffs and Martin O'Neill was their manager. And to me, that it was like the most exciting time. You know, I'd got into football journalism. I loved it. I was covering, but I was covering a rival to Forest. I still, you know, I mean, my colleague Sam Lee, he's been quite open about the fact he's a Man United fan. Who would, who would basically say his coverage of Man City is unfair? No, nobody. So that, I suppose, is fair. You know, if, so basically the agency I was working for, the East Midlands, covered Derby, Leicester, Lincoln and Chesterfield. So, you know, I, I went and watched Forrest get knocked out of a FA Cup quarterfinal at Chesterfield, which was an absolute shit fest as a, as a fan. But I was sitting there in the press box and just, you know, and wrote, wrote the whole, you know, giant killing Chesterfield, wasn't it wonderful, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really hard, you know, you just, you know, I, so I covered Derby, you know, it's exciting to cover Derby and Derby are the team that Forrest hates more than anyone. So... So it does get it knocked out of you, you know, and and I know that that is really hard to understand. But when I when you're going to you know to the, see the teams that you you may previously see as the enemy, and then you actually make friends there, and then you actually become mates with some of their fans, and then you actually get to know people behind the scenes, and and just you know you're going to see them every week basically. You go, it just gets knocked out of you that stuff basically. So it's I realise that's hard to understand, but it just it, that's how I see it anyway. I just that that so that's what I see as fair coverage. If I went to those games and was basically, you know, if Leicester would win the league and I was writing about about you know it's a travesty and uh, you know Leicester should be investigated by the FA because of you know some some you know dredged up some some offence that doesn't never never happened, then that's unfair coverage. But that's you know I didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, of uh, one of the things that I know gets under a lot of City fans' skins is uh, kind of coverage of, of the way City have got their success. Because I mean, let's let's be honest. I'm a I'm a City fan of a, of I was growing up through the '90s and watching this team, you know, just fail at every given opportunity. Without major investment, they were never going to get anywhere near the top table. Do you think that is ever the, the way that that's talked about? And the way that that city, the, the cost of city starting lineup quite often is presented a long time. Yeah. The cost of the opposition, that yeah, sort of thing, gets under fans' skins. Well, this this is one of the things I can I can agree with and understand. So this is actually how I got to know Rick. Um, um, so basically, I'd I'd when when you beat Sunderland in the League Cup final, I had written a match report which was you know incredibly praiseworthy of City. Just basically, you know, they've you've won a you've won the league cup it's you know it's a it's a happy day etc etc and um and basically i when i was just you know on the train on the way home or whatever i got a look at my twitter messages and basically rick who's a good really great lad but it's berating me because in my <laughs> um in my article i've written something like sunderland couldn't cope with with the most financially kind of endowed club on the you know i can't remember i haven't got it in front of me but something like you know the you know i'd made a reference to about how sunderland eventually you know ultimately couldn't cope with with City, you know, the wealth of City's team, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, you know, why? and, you know, we had a bit of a sort of one of those kind of undignified sort of Twitter spats, you know, kind of, he was like saying, you know, why, why do you have to reference our money? And and I was basically, you know, irritated that you just want a cup and I was getting grief when I wrote, thought I'd written a nice match report and basically, you know, just, you know, can you not be happy when you want to... 
So, and then a week later, we bumped into each other because our kids played had the same football training. We did, I didn't, we did, and we sort of had one of those embarrassing kind of um, <laughs> things where, in this is what I'm saying, in real life, it's a bit different. And we realise how sort of stupid it looks, you know, like basically, if someone started talking in the pub about football and had a different opinion to you, you wouldn't start, you know, calling them, the, you know, saying, well, you've got an agenda against my, and, you know, effing and blinding and basically just falling out straight away and immediately taking offence and stuff. It's just Twitter sort of does that to people. So that's how I got to know it. And and I do get, I do understand. And my only sort of defence, I suppose, of that is that I I also covered City, you know, I covered City in, in, you know, with Jamie Pollock's own goal and all that, you know, going down to that. That's how I knew City when I moved up to Manchester. You know, I'd, walk, I'd go to the training ground and, and, and you know, basically there was no security. I'd just wander in. I was the only journalist that would bother basically going there was no one on the door, you know. Just you, you could speak to all the. It was just it was quite a pony organisation, but also quite nice because at the same time you got United, the other side of Manchester, where you know there was like a, you know someone putting a hand up to stop me going in. You know, it was all very kind of like cold and hard faced, and you know, City were very very much the the friendlier of the two clubs when I moved up. So it's, <laughs> I yeah. So when when obviously you know the takeover happened. I can't, you know, I'd sort of seen both of it. So, so yeah, I can, you know, I was referring in match reports and stuff to to City's wealth, and it reached a point where it, it was getting on people's nerves, and I and I kind of maybe I realised that afterwards. But sometimes it's relevant, you know. But then, you know, I do understand that basically United would have had their, you know, United have broken the British transfer record X number of times, and um, Liverpool have spent massive money, um, but. It's, you know, it's still from City, you know, there's Abramovich. Abramovich's money was also, was always mentioned and is still always mentioned. You know, it's still the billionaire Roman Abramovich. So, so you know, people are, people are sensitive, aren't they? If I, if I, we were talking in a pub and I was like, you know, just, the conversation moved on to City's money. Nobody, nobody would take offence about that, would they? And just, you know, we'd, we'd just agree that, yeah, well, you know, you need that money to be successful these days. It's not... I don't know. It's, people sometimes see it as derogatory when when I don't think it, you know I don't think it is. But then, well, this is this is the interesting thing. I was I was going to kind of tap into this. Do you think that that not necessarily City fans but football fans have have come up with this have come up in in terms of mixing up what is negative and what's unfair? So because like because the the idea that 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 City have spent a lot of money, it's not it's you know we all know it. It's not it's not unfair to say that. Yeah. Well, my well. The, when I do get pulled into these arguments, my my response is normally that if a, it's really simple as far as I'm concerned, if a club does something good, then I'll write good things about them. But then if they don't, if if something, if I say something that I don't think is, you know, if I say like Kyle Walker, just being a, you know, let's be honest, being a bit of a dick recently, um, I will still write that, even though I'm sure it's probably I've probably annoyed people at City that basically they would, you know, that that I have. Um, you know, written my Sunday column about Kyle Walker, but you know, if it's it's just a straightforward thing, really. If 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 you know, if Man United do something, it's the same everywhere, really. If you know, you can't deny that Liverpool have been like a really good football team this season, and they've got most things right off the pitch. But I've also written a column about the fact that they, well, I have to phrase this carefully because of, because there's all sorts of legal things around it, but about the whole sort of. Um, how they found out about City's transfer targets through the, um, you know, uh, 
through the through the sort of hacking of um, Citi's accounts, which I think is a scandal. It basically should have had, strangely enough, that should have that is one of the things that should have had far more coverage. And people and I get City fans onto me saying, well, why you know why why is it not? The reason why it hasn't is because it's because strangely enough, because City took a payment for you know from Liverpool. Which includes that City can never talk about it. So it's basically effectively hush money. So basically, City took a million pounds to never complain about it. Now, I don't think I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I don't think if that if the same happened now, they would do the same again. I think they would. I think they would make it a point to basically make sure you know it got very very wide publicity. But that is actually what actually happened. There was a massive scandal. Um, well, I think it is anyway, or potentially a massive scandal. But it's had it's had minimum press coverage, but the reason is because City, it's not we we are legally bound. We can't we can't. There's nobody making any accusations, um, so it's just really tricky to write about it. So anyway, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> sorry, but it, just, don't worry, it's fine. It's we're we're here to thrash all this out, so it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's not a problem. Um, there's 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 something else I want to kind of uh, get into because yeah. Um, I think we've seen over the certainly over the the last ten years or so the the kind of the Twitter era. Um, there's been, I think, there's been a, a, a kind of a big confusion between the lines between the difference of of what's news and what's opinion, and and you know that the idea of opinion pieces and and punditry and that sort of thing. Um, can you understand why that why there's a lot of fans get get critical of uh, pundits? giving their opinions about certain things when they might not be as informed about as they should be about certain topics. Yeah, because it happens all the time, doesn't it? You know, we all... we all. Um, I mean, I was watching Match of the Day the other day and finding myself getting annoyed because I, I wrote Kevin Keegan's... Well, Ghost wrote, I should say, Kevin Keegan's um, autobiography and and it slightly it does my head in a little bit that basically he gets remembered as being... You know, every game was a 4-3 thriller and... Newcastle couldn't defend, and all these sort of all, all the same. You know, he, 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 his meltdown cost Newcastle the league that year, and it's all it's all nonsense, basically. Um, you know, and this is Alan Shearer who was talking. He was talking, by the way, he was a Newcastle man, obviously. You know, but so I was watching this, just sort of thinking, you know, just this is just lazy, you know, lazy beyond belief, basically. Just very quickly tight to explain that. I mean, Kevin Keegan had one four three in his life at Newcastle. They had, they had the um, second best defensive record in the league, and when everyone talks about them, sort of like the entertainers, United and Liverpool both scored more than them that season. So you know, and as for the the you know the famous meltdown, that that was um, that was two games with two games of the season to go with United pretty much you know United had pretty much won it at that point. So 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 yeah, it's um, it irritates everyone when he's when you see things being said about your team that's not accurate. But that isn't a city problem. That's that's a much wider problem. Basically, that that's um, that's something that every football club feels. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, do, do you think in terms of? I, I know you can't again can't speak for all of the media because we talked. It's it's different areas of the media. Um, but do you think there are uh, there's an issue with the way that the difference in news and opinion is is presented? Do you think do you think enough is done to kind of separate one from the other? Um. Well. Uh, how do you mean? I mean, basically, if if you write, you know, so I I might I, I write opinion pieces and I write features and I write news stories, but it never sort of says at the top that it's it's which of those it is, if you know what I mean. Um, so I suppose you could blur the lines, but it's I mean, most of most of the time, Twitter is really where the the place where people give their opinions of the stories, if you know what I mean. But um, 
How do you mean, sorry? You'll see a headline that um, it, it presents a, a, a kind of almost a statement of fact, but with a couple of quote marks around it, if that, yeah. if that makes sense. And that's, it, it's clearly, when you, when you read it, it says, such a body say, or somebody says yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but that's quite. But I, I think a lot of fans are quite, are quite eager to read that and see, oh, the newspaper or the, or the media outlet is saying this, and that's not necessarily true. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, that happens. Um, start, it's not a... Um, basically, I mean, for for the journalists as such, the headline, uh, the headline is always a worry sometimes that, um, you know, you may have handled a story with a bit of care and attention because, you know, you know it's a, it potentially is a sensitive issue. And then, and then, because, you know, people don't realise sometimes it's not the journalist who writes the headline. It, you know, you, you write your article, you send it down to, you know, your sports desk and then the the people who are editing it put the headline on. And so you don't actually see the headline. You see the headline the first time you see it is is um, is when it comes out in print, basically. So, so yeah, you know, there's obviously times where the headline writer and the journalist might not be on the same page. And I've discovered to my cost, especially when it, I used to find that really hard when I was doing a column. You know, I, was, I used to... I used to do a column every Sunday for the Observer, and there was a, a real run of a real run where basically the headline sort of felt too strong. And basically, that that is the, the, the that is the first thing that someone on Twitter or a reader will see. And so, it does. I mean, I saw one. I saw one last night that was um, Matthew Syed of the Times, and you know, I'm not. I can't. I can't profess to being a big fan of Matthew Syed. I must admit, but but the headline was something like, you know, is is it time to go? you know is it is it time to go back to you know football is it you know on the balance of safety yes and basically he and i, and I just i haven't actually read the article but he got absolutely caned for it on twitter just from the headline and i and i just thought to myself i'm sure there's probably he's probably actually tried to reason make a reasoned argument beneath that there's a bit of nuance but, in there yeah yeah but you just see the headline and you think well it's it's okay for him to say that it, you know he doesn't go to sporting i've never seen him in 20 years at a, at a sporting occasion so He's making that point. It's okay for him to say that on his armchair. It's not him that's going to that's potentially putting himself at risk. So he was getting, you know, he, he got he was getting pelters. You know, it was kind of the Twitter hounds were after his blood last night, basically. And um, and I just sort of looked at it and thought, you know, I've been in that position sometimes where, because obviously the headline headline writer has to try and get something that's going to attract people's attention, but it, the kind of the key to a good headline writer is by doing that, but by not putting. Uh, top spin on it basically so um this might sound a little bit crawling but one of the things i've really loved about the athletic is they just haven't they, they've been they're brilliant headline writers they, they they don't try and sensationalize stuff they don't you know they don't um over egg things to kind of draw people in because they realize that people are going to see be see beneath that basically so it's just one of the things that that's taken away a stress of mine you know i used to write a column at the observer and you know I hope they're not listening to this and thinking I'm having a go at them because I'm, I'm really not. But there were times where I would worry, you know, I would, fret, you know, fret about what the headline could be because I knew that that would be my Sunday, not ruin because I like to try and think that I don't live my life by Twitter. But I knew that, you know, you'd have to kind of avoid Twitter for, for two days because, you, you know, and, and there might be, you know, for the next six months, there'll be people sending it to you, you know, and it's you to kind of think, well, that hasn't, you've missed the complete argument or you haven't even read it sometimes. So, yeah. so yes. Yeah, so, so it's complicated sometimes, that kind of balance. Please give us your backing. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. In terms of actually 
the reporting of stories now. Um, yeah. There's 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 one there's one kind of line that comes up a lot from from football fans. Not again, not necessarily City fans, but football fans. Um, they'll often say that they don't trust a story with anonymous sources, um, yeah. or, or the idea that a story doesn't have any direct quotes from the people it's about. Um, yeah. Should sources be allowed to be anonymous? Yeah, because otherwise, if Manchester City are telling me a story hypothetically. Um, let's let's be completely hypothetical. I picked someone out who I've never spoken to in my, in my life. So, Soriano, I've never spoken to, so I have no relationship with him whatsoever. So just, just so everybody notices, he's completely kind of hypothetical. If he rings me up and says, look, I've found out that, you know, May United have been, um, you know, May United have been trying to tap up one of our players and, you know, you can quote me, but, but don't put my name in, you know, that, you know, that is... I'm not going to. I'm not going to go against that. I'm not going to not quote him, or I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to. Sorry, I'll say that again. I'm not going to name him as the source. So I have that every week. You know, I speak to people every week who are who I would never ever name, basically, because my journalistic relationship with them is that we have a mutual trust where basically they tell me things and I would never attribute it to them. So and that goes. That's the same at every club. Now, I actually try. I actually. I actually don't write. Once I, I will not write in an article these days, and, and and please heaven forbid, I'm sure maybe I have done once or twice in the last year or so. In case I'm, but I, <laughs> I, I, I will as a as a general rule, I will not now. I will not write because I realise it, it annoys people, or people don't maybe understand, or people think, or worse, people think it's made up. But I won't write in an article now. You know, sources have told me, or according to sources, or top level sources and stuff, which is the phrases that I used to write years ago. But that is how journalism works. That is, you know, increasingly in football, people don't want to put their head above the, the the parapet. And but, you know, I, I did a I did a piece about Wayne Rooney the other day, and um, and it was talking about um, what Rooney would be like as a manager. So I basically was just, you know, quite an innocuous piece basically. So I was talking to people that played with him or coached him, and and there was someone that had spent time with him, Man United and and with England who spoke to me extensively. And didn't say anything controversial whatsoever, but then basically said, you know, please don't quote me um, because they and, you know, use it as anonymous, you know, football culture that people don't like, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of, you know, these, most of these stories or a lot of these stories come from the football clubs or, you know, these, these football clubs have got media teams. So, as I say, I don't, um, you know, legitimate sources, basically. But I, I I tend not to write, you know, according to sources or sources have told me or whatever. But, you know, it's still, um, I still think that if if you, if people fasten on to who they think are trustworthy journalists, then they can take, you know, I mean, I, I, I you know, I can remember when Tevez was handling a transfer request, you know, that was when Twitter was, you know, nothing like the animal that it is now and, or monster it is now basically, and getting absolutely shed loads of abuse, and then trying really hard not to be like too smug when when basically it was announced properly, you know. So you know, I'm not going to write. I'm not. I'm not going to ruin my reputation if I have a reputation by um, by getting a story like that wrong. You know, basically that that comes from sort. I'm not going to. You know, but I obviously can't say where it's from. But I mean, you, I'm sure you can imagine that I have checked it out with all the relevant people. You know, so so yeah. If you want, you know, people still, you know, I see other journalists who 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 will write. You know, sources have told me, and I try to avoid that to be honest, just because I'm, I've realised over over a number of years that people people distrust it. And but 
but that people have to also realize that is how stories come out in the first place you know i mean yeah. if people didn't people didn't talk then there would be no stories yeah i mean one one other aspect i mean it's an interesting uh, development this week actually that uh, facebook has decided to take action um, against fake news stories regarding to regarding city i mean we've not really talked about what fake news actually is and it's a kind of a term that we can thank donald trump for in in the kind of 2016 onwards um what what what's your understanding of what fake news is well yeah i mean donald trump isn't it basically but i um yeah i mean basically i they're they're again probably mostly on twitter really you you, you do find I find people respond to me and I'm so my the thing I don't trust are people who um who don't use I mean I, I'm on Twitter my real name's there there's a terrible picture of me that, that I have for my work um sort of portrait or whatever you know people know who I work for my name's there etc etc it's it's me basically so what I don't trust are um and you can see through them eventually you know basically um people who don't put the name on it people who use cartoons as their picture and it, well a, it's not a case just all the time of trusting them it's it's kind of why do i want to de- debate stuff with someone who's who, who i don't know who this person is i don't know their name i don't know who they are i don't have i don't have a clue who they are you know it could be you know but also some so is, of it, these is, now, is it almost a, a case of of acting in good faith then on both sides well, to be honest, that that is just a personal thing because over a number of years, I found myself arguing with you know cartoon pictures of 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 people and just thinking afterwards, why the hell, why, what am I doing with my life to be to be wasting half an hour um, with somebody who, um, as far you know, is somebody who might be talking drivel, is having a go at me. It's not bringing not bringing anything into my life particularly, and it's a cartoon picture. It's not even like somebody who's, who's going to tell me their name or I don't know if it's a man or a woman. So I'm just so it's just that that's just a personal thing. But basically, a lot of these increasingly are kind of plants, or they are bots, or whatever you know. And so basically, if I if I send something out that a lot of people, you especially see it if you send something out that a lot of people tweet retweet immediately because they're obviously tuned in to basically um, um, that they obviously have some sort of way of finding out something that's gone quickly on on you know it's been a success i suppose as a tweet and you see these and you can see uh, you know i get responses and i can tell they're not from real people it's just you know i can just see them so so that's that's from one side um well fake news it's it's i mean we obviously had that story out didn't we you know that that essentially that qatar would i mean I, I don't know where that came from or the legitimacy of it or the background to it because to me it's not a, it's not a it's not a sports story and it's not something that I've been chasing, but you know, it's clearly there's, there's, um, well, they've obviously, they seem to have found some, some stuff that's come from Qatar. That's basically aiming to sort of put Abu Dhabi in a bad light, you know, which, you know, I can, I can, I can believe probably does happen, you know, cause that's the kind of world we live in, isn't it? With where, where it's probably not the hardest thing to do, is it, with Twitter? But on on the flip side, is it is it very easy for us to brand things as fake news just because we don't like them? Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, that, I mean that's just that's just one of the cliched responses I get if if um, if you put something out that's you know it's clickbait or fake news or or city. You know, I mean we've talked about this before, but I think for a younger generation of city fans, um, say if you're twenty one years old. So all you've, you know, all you've really known is uh, the last sort of 10 years or so of uh, 10, 12 years of, of the Abu Dhabi years. And 
your your upbringing as a city fan it's just part of the culture now that you know fuck the press the press haters the the agenda the anti-city stuff that is part of the makeup of the modern city fan now it isn't necessarily when you, when you know like my next door neighbor's a big city fan and, and like you know next time i see him we'll have a chat about city and stuff and you know it's kind of not there when i'm chatting to him but then it's kind of that is the you know there is that you know it's ingrained now in city fans culture basically it's um you know it's not it's i think it's really hardened since the ffp thing really because it's not just i mean united fans have a you know their song about marshall is, is about the the press because the press basically wrote marshall off far too quickly or the or the or were astonished about you know that they, they'd paid you know not many people had heard of him or certainly knew that he was worth the money that united paid and there's a bit of a sticky point about whether he still is worth that money, to be honest, because to me he's a bit hot and cold. But again, I'm going on a tangent, but it's certainly not just City fans. Yeah, um, we talked briefly a, a, a bit before about uh, about personal biases. Um, one, one, I mean, one, in, one kind of interesting question I think is is should the audience know who a journalist supports rather than being left to to kind of work it out? Is it is it better for you for to, to like for this show, for instance, to come on and, and quite early on say I'm a Nottingham Forest fan? Is it is it better for for Sam Lee to say I'm a United fan, sort of thing? Well, Sam would know better than me. I imagine it's been harder for Sam. Um, um, I. I, I I think it's fine for me as a Forest fan. I, I you know I if Forest got back in the Premier League, it'd be harder for me because obviously I'd be covering them more often, and um, and I know people would throw it at me. You know, basically if there was a controversy and I had to take a side, you know, if there was a if there was a red card at, at a Forest game and I had to take a side and I took Forest side because I genuinely thought that they were in the right, I would you know it, it would look bad on Twitter, in Twitter world, it, you know, I would get accused, I know what I'd get accused of, and so sometimes I do wonder whether I've left myself a little bit open there for that, I would imagine it's much harder as a United fan, and, you know, for a United fan to criticise City as a journalist, that, that they would obviously just get that thrown back at them straight away, well, you know, you're a rag and all that sort of, all the usual stuff, but it's, um, I don't, I don't necessarily see why why it has to be shared. I don't because, as I said to you right at the start of the conversation, I don't. You know, I could go to. I've interviewed countless people at Derby. Um, I grew up, sort of, Forest and Liverpool was my thing. You know, I kind of, you know, I know loads of people at Liverpool over the years. It doesn't change the fact that if um, if I was played Liverpool or played Derby, they're probably the two teams that I'd love more than any any other team to get one over. You know, it's just because that's me speaking as a fan but I can I can I can split that up in my I can in my head which going back to what we said earlier I realize is 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 something that's a little bit weird to say to people to people who aren't in the industry but I don't necessarily think it, it it's relevant you know to you know do you need to know Henry Winters an Arsenal fan is that of great relevance I, I don't think it I don't think it really matters, really. Yeah, well, uh, here is the athletic Sam Lee talking about an incident back in 2017 uh, when he was first covering City in one of his first jobs. I think this was when City had lost 4-0 at Everton in Pep Guardiola's first season. And one of the things I've learned, actually, is just to keep my head down when City have lost or the results not gone their way. Um, Obviously, at City games, I really enjoy it. You know, I, I... don't do normal match tweets. I normally piss about quite a bit and have a bit of a laugh. And that's fine, you know, when City are winning pretty much every week. Um, but yeah, I try and keep my head down a bit when they don't um, because 
people are generally not in a good mood and I probably hadn't learned that in time for this particular incident because I think on the same day United had played Liverpool uh, and Paul Pogba had launched an emoji that weekend which is quite a sentence um, I think now again this shows how much I've changed personally I think Ian Wright had criticised Pogba for kind of you know showing off a bit and not performing and for whatever reason I had a, not a go but I just thought it was a bit hypocritical maybe because Ian Wright was a bit of a showman himself uh, it was no, it was no strong criticism of Ian Wright. I wouldn't even bother now, but it was nothing serious. But um, and let's be honest, the other side of this story is it wasn't a, a particularly representative fan who went digging into my supposed history. You know, it was the infamous Steve MCFC who'd kind of I don't know, presumably in a bad mood about the City game, um, latched onto the fact that I may be or may have been a United fan. Um, it's not something I'd admitted at the time because I didn't think it made any difference. You know, if I was a United fan writing articles against City, having not had any kind of journalism background or, you know, Twitter following or any kind of following, it wouldn't have got me very far anyway. So I always wanted to do a good job and who I supported never really came into it. I think it was the infamous Steve just went looking through some old tweets. I mean, there was, it was, God, it was hardly like rabid United tweets. It was, you know, just the odd thing that, outed me as a United fan that I'd tweeted years before, which got some stick from a few, but I actually tweeted, okay, yeah, fair enough. I didn't mention this before because I didn't think it made a difference, but I am a United fan. And I, I seem to remember most people replied saying, don't worry about it, we can tell in you, your work, which is good because I'd only been doing the job for under 18 months. Um, yeah, since then, I mean, I can see why people think um, the clubs that people support um, comes into it. Um, and I don't think anybody's 100% neutral, um, even myself, although I wouldn't really class myself as a United supporter anymore. It's, you know, it's funny, whenever I tweet something that may not be popular with, not even everybody, but just a, a few City fans, it's funny that it's because I'm a United fan. And I always used to think that people only cared that I was a United fan when City had lost. You know, that's when people seem to care most, which kind of suggests to me that the problem's not mine, it's theirs. I think a lot of people are pretty sensible about it, to be honest, not just with me, but generally. But, you know, there's there's City fans in the media who write stuff that City fans don't want to like. So at the end of the day, I can appreciate why people think allegiances do come into it, but I don't think they do anywhere near as much as, as fans tend to think. And, of course, this isn't just a City thing. You know, a lot of fans think the media is against them, and, you know, that's just, that's just common. And I'm not saying boo-hoo for the journalists, but that's just something that us journalists have to live with. <laughs> Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. I want to finish, uh, Daniel, with a, a kind of a, a little bit of a look at, at City's ownership as well, because the ownership of City by Sheikh Mansour has been a large source, certainly very recently, of friction between uh, fans and, and many sports journalists. Can you understand why that's been? Well, yeah, I can understand. City have been banned for two years from Champions League. It's a, it's a massive story. It's like... You know, it's not people haven't dreamt that up. And as I said earlier, if that was Man United who were banned, then the level of coverage would be far, far bigger. It's just a fact. So um, I can understand. And obviously, Newcastle fans, I see the same sort of things happening now, and probably not a coincidence. The same journalists arguing with them. So I, I don't think it does any anyone any favours when, and I don't like the tone that some of the journalists set when it's kind of confrontational. It's it's quite aggressive in some some occasions, and it's a, and it's sort of certainly condescending. And I and I get 
you know, so I see that and I just think you're not doing yourself any favours, you're not doing us any favours. But ultimately, the story is a l more than legitimate story to cover. Um, I understand why some of those journalists um, who probably feel a bit stronger about it than me, I have to be honest, um, you know, feel, you know, don't like what they're seeing. Um now, as I say, perhaps they 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 feel more strongly than me, but I don't I don't if if they were I don't think the problem necessarily is them writing that in articles and stuff. I think it's basically the the kind of the warring factions that then crop up on um, on social media and the kind of um, the friction is just being worsened to a point where I don't see any kind of point of any return basically and and. You know that that's what I probably have more of a problem with, really, than than people writing, covering the story, um, writing opinion pieces that that maybe might go against City. You know, not you know, journalists will always write opinion pieces that that don't go against. You know, I've been banned by by Forrest talking about Forrest. You know, like Billy Davis detests me. Um, Fowers Alasawi, the the last owner, detests me. You know, because I've written critical pieces because I thought that they deserve criticism and still think they deserve criticism. So, my United owners get loads of criticism. It's it's um, it's just what happens. And I don't know. I mean, I hope this doesn't sound at all patronising, but um, I'll probably find out later on my tweets whether it does. But <laughs> I think I think City fans, City just became. A, they've always, you know, don't get me wrong. Obviously, they've always been a big club, but they suddenly were, were catapulted into this um, into this level of new coverage that only really, you know, like two or three other clubs would be used to. And so, United, United behind the scenes are just—they've had years upon years upon years of being criticised, scrutinised in every shape, shape or form behind the scenes, and they and they're quite—they're so used to it, they're quite relaxed about it, and the and. Whereas at City, it was all very new, and so basically, all of a sudden, you get you know you, you every little detail, the stuff that stories that would happen at City that would just never have got even got into the papers years ago, and now big things, and it's a bit of a culture shift basically, and obviously that that is it all happened so quickly there was no real gradual time for that to happen, and and almost for the fans and people around the club to get used to, it was just you know wow City are now a massive story, you know I mean go back to Gary Cook's time and, um, you know, just the, those are, you know, Gary Cook's first, <laughs> first media interviews where he, you know, he, um, well, I don't know if you, I'm sure you can probably remember them, just basically just, just immediately kind of, um, put his foot in it as he will admit himself now, you know, I know Gary and, um, get on with him very well, but you know, that didn't end well basically, but it's just before that, obviously City were just sort of bumbling along and, you know, that they would occasionally have a good result against United, and you know, but they never really, they never really got anywhere in the cup competitions, and they, they never threatened too much at the top of the league, and basically the media's attention was elsewhere, really. So, it just City weren't used to being a big story, and all of a sudden, weren't used to getting the level of coverage. I mean, when you talk about negative coverage, match, my match reports. Of, if I laid out my match reports of of City's match reports, they're just absolutely frothing with praise and 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 talking about how brilliant Guardiola is and, and Kevin De Bruyne is my you know favorite player in English football by a mile and I'm sure I'm not the only one who says that you know but it's the football side of it just the vast majority of it 
as this is the case, this used to be the case with, sorry to bring his name up, but this used to be the case with Alex Ferguson. He used to think that the press were against Man United. 95% of the press about Man United were saying about how brilliant they, they played on the Saturday or how, you know, how great their players were. A lot of it is the same with City. Just who, Which players at City ever get criticised, really? City's players are all, you know, very few of them, really. Just City's players are all great players and they all get great press, really. I mean, you could say, listen, Raheem Sterling's a, a different subject. Um, Raheem Sterling's had some pretty despicable press as we all know the irony being that Raheem Sterling now um, and I'm going into dangerous territory again here but I thought what Raheem Sterling did um, when he was sort of posing with the Roma did shirt and his agent was arranging an interview with the Madrid papers just before he played Madrid I thought that in any time deserved criticism I thought that was really out of order and really see-through and his agent was positioning him in a way that I know City were upset about and that was actually a big thing, but obviously the papers, uh, I don't work for a paper anymore, the papers that, that the papers seem to have decided that Raheem Sterling is off bounds or they just don't touch him in any way because of obviously how badly he was treated beforehand. But as a rule, I don't think City players get bad press. I mean, you know, I just I just really don't. I mean, How, about the, how about the fans though? Because I mean, you think of, again, bringing it back round to, to Mansour's ownership of the club, there's, there, there seems to be a, a, a kind of a... A, a willingness, or, or what, what a lot of fans feel, is a willingness to 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 question whether the fans should feel morally comfortable with it. Yeah, no, I, don't, I get I, this is one of the things I get again, and I don't like the sneering sort of um, sort of dis, you know contempt for the empty seats and all that sort of stuff because I just think that they're cheap shots, and I get that. And yeah, you're right. You know, basically, when City won the last FA Cup, and um, you know, my match report was all about Art City, just, you know, an incredible force of, you know, they've just won this, they've just, you know, could have scored about 15 goals, etc, etc. There was, you know, there's another match report that basically said it was a waste of time and I actually, you know, I think you just won the FA Cup final, just basically, you know, it's a, it's football, it's meant to be entertainment. The fans, I think, are entitled to, you know, these they should be the, the happiest times of City fans' lives. I don't think they should be held against a wall and told that they're despicable human beings because they 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 aren't necessarily as I'm not like a massive expert in the human rights of the Middle East you know um because I just don't think that's fair basically um I don't I I also I'd qualify that by saying I don't think it, it, it I, I don't think it's not a, a legitimate subject because I think it is but I don't like the way it gets turned on city fans um as I said I see the same happening a little bit with Newcastle fans uh, at the moment, which perhaps might show, maybe maybe I'm um, tempting fate here, but perhaps might show City fans, it's not just about City. There is no kind of king of the media who, who sends us all a kind of memo every week saying, you know, we should we should all be a bit harder on City. You know, it's it's now, it's going to become a massive thing at Newcastle if this Saudi Arabian take, takeover happens. You know, we've, we've seen it already, it's already shaping up to become a big story in the media for, for reasons that aren't football reasons. But I don't think the Newcastle fans should be blamed about that. If I mean, I don't. I think it's different, actually, because Newcastle aren't going to spend the same money that City have. But I still don't think if Newcastle became a, a better football club, I don't think Newcastle fans should be punished for that because you know, they're football fans, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, one final question, Danny, before we before we wrap up for today's show, uh, we yeah. get this we get this question sent in a lot all the time. Um, why doesn't City's press department do more to to, to kind of harvest a, a positive image, and and uh, why don't they stop journalists who who have not written nice stuff or have written uh, negative stories about the club from coming in? Well, this is again one of the things that um, I can imagine people rolling their eyes about straight away. But City's press office is a far more hands-on than say United's just I can write anything pretty much I want about United and I would not um you know within legal reasons obviously but if I could write a piece basically saying that Solskjaer's a joker Woodward should go the Glazers should you know I can write anything like that whatsoever and sit and you know I will not hear a peep from United City are just because the fans don't see it, perhaps, doesn't mean it doesn't happen behind the scenes. You know, City are far more hands-on than people realise. It's quite hard, but equally, they're not going to go to a they're not going to go to a to a columnist and say you are not entitled to your opinion. But they they are entitled equally to go to people and say when they think something's unfair or or um, you know bring them in to meet the people and show them round and and. Um, you know, just City, City do a lot, lot more behind the back, the behind the scenes, than people realise. You know, but if you're talking about banning journalists and um, things like that, that that hasn't happened at United since that was a that was a Fergie trick basically, and that was, and you know I don't don't really think um, it was, I mean Fergie Fergie would do it over anything. <laughs> Fergie did, Fergie, you know, it's it's kind of incomparable really. Fergie, Fergie did it as a power thing basically to kind of. Um, basically, tell the tell the you know it was a manager to journalist relationship rather than the club one. It just it, you know it wasn't as soon as he left, United realised it was you know that it wasn't a, a very healthy position and a very old fashioned position. But United don't ban journalists now. Just um, and you know you'd you'd have to to be banned by a football club from you'd have to do something pretty bad, I think you know as in like you know um, libel someone or. You know, just write something particularly damaging that that is that is completely kind of fabricated or something. You know, something pretty terrible. But I don't think um, when I'm thinking about, say, the 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 kind of nucleus of journalists that I see, kind of who are who are deeply unpopular with City fans, it seems, just because they've got their opinion is different to City fans' opinions, that's that's not a reason to ban people. You know, what what is there is there a specific ar- article or journalist that people are talking about? You know, I, I don't. You know, I haven't seen City being libelled, or I'm not aware of any legal cases going on that would, that I think would justify anything more than that. But if you're saying that City just sort of like ride it out behind the scenes and do nothing and don't ring the journalists and and occasionally administer, you know, a, a bollocking if it's necessary, then that is absolutely not the truth. And City, out of all the big clubs, are actually the ones that um, one of the that most hands do that. On. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but. Um, yeah that's it really <laughs> well uh, that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast thank you very much to my guest uh, from The Athletic Daniel Taylor a pleasure uh, if you'd like some more podcasts to listen to then uh, we have some Patreon bonus shows just head over to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast and for $2 a month you'll get uh, a new show every week we should have had uh, another show this week but unfortunately our second guest for today's podcast couldn't connect to us so unfortunately there's no Patreon bonus show for today uh, don't forget to give the show a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast because that also helps us fund the programme by sending more listeners our way thanks for listening and I'll be back next week see you then Thank you.
is the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.